What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition. We do it on Mondays, and we are hyped to kick August off here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast channel. And here to help me do that is my dear pals. Are my dear pals, I think is how, how that goes. Find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, what's up, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, but I'm a little disappointed. Baseball is coming from my throat right now as they are trying really hard to make all sports in the history of existence just cease to be <laughs> because they cannot figure out how to handle being outside the bubble. Like, So it's already like a C-level sport, and now they're out here trying to get football pulled out wow. from under us. I'm not having a good time. No, realistically, I hope everybody involved with the Marlins and now the Cardinals and anybody else that may be struggling a little bit is doing okay and not suffering at all from COVID. I hope the league fixes it all so they can keep going. And I hope the NFL learns from it. But that has not been a great bit of news this week when we're trying to lead up to the NFL season, Craig. Yeah, it's really been kind of a downer on everything that's going on with football because everybody's making the obvious comparisons you know in a bubble not in a bubble it it's a little bit of a struggle I think that we're seeing maybe some of the protocols that the NFL is putting into place are going to need to be reinforced or made sure that they are acted upon a little more heavily than we've seen the MLB do so far so I mean it really is kind of a peek into the future a little bit hopefully the NFL has taken some good notes yeah Check in next week, though, because optimism and pessimism just goes week to week with this whole thing. It's been mm -hmm. wild. It's just a roller coaster that we've all had to try to experience with all of this. Um, I did have one friend mention to me this week, and I thought it was a really good point. It only, you know, the NFL teams only play once a week. That's really valuable in this kind of, you know, environment because MLB is trying to operate outside of a bubble, but they play seven times a week. There's really not very many off days during it, you know, during the 60 game schedule. Um, you know, the NFL teams only have to play once a week. That is a valuable thing here with this whole thing. But man, I, I, I yeah, I, I think there is a level of pessimism still right now. I, I'm very nervous. I hope the season happens. I really do. Um, we've got a ton of questions that have nothing to do with what we just talked about. Uh, and let's go ahead and jump right into them. We have a five-star review question from Drift 24 uh, hindsight is 2020. Uh, are you all glad that we got Clyde Edwards Alaire in the first round now that Damien Williams has opted out? I'm sure they will mix in De DeAndre Washington and Daryl Williams, but Clyde Edwards Alaire could run away with offensive rookie of the year. I think we were all pretty excited that they drafted Clyde Edwards Hillier before the Damien Williams opt-out news. I think we all really like him as a player. I think he's going to do great in this system. And just so we are already excited. But now that Damien has decided to opt out, you know, for his family and everything, like good for him. But also, this is a nice insurance policy that they did just draft another running back. They have their clear-cut starter now, assuming he picks up the playbook, which according to him was an easy playbook to understand, which is probably the first time anybody has ever said that. So yeah, he should be in the running for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think he already was. A lot of people talked about DeAndre Swift being up there because he's only splitting carries with Keyshawn Johnson, not Johnson, but uh, I'm going to draw a blank on the Detroit Lions running back's name out of Auburn right now, but I know where he went to school. But they put there Swift, there we go. They put Swift up there in the rookie of the year race, but not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because he was going to be splitting carries, but 
Damien Williams has been often injured, and I think Clyde was going to take the job anyway, so now it's his job to lose, and I just simply don't think he will. I mean, he's got to be the odds-on favorite right now. Yeah. First and foremost, uh, the best of vibes sent out to Damien Williams and his family. We said last week, you know, nobody criticized these guys when they got to make moves like this, and we didn't, luckily, we didn't see hardly anybody, you know, kind of criticizing Damien Williams, and then when he came out and explained why, it makes all the sense in the world. So, uh, best of the vibes to his family, keeping safe, everything like that. And then, yeah, we were, we were kind of all on the Clyde would be RB one very quickly in the year. This maybe accelerates it by three games, which maybe is enough for the offensive rookie of the year. We've seen Andy Reid's hot starts. We've seen him kind of scheme up and match up some of these guys and try and get the best possible looks that they can. And the only thing that stopped some of these running backs from having explosive seasons is sometimes Andy Reid maybe easing guys in rather than hitting the ground running week one. Now we get to see Clyde in week one. Clyde is primed to be offensive rookie of the year. Uh, And I honestly, I don't know how much Damien was going to slow this down. Honestly, I really think Damian Williams is going to be a secondary role in this team. I know some of the stuff that's been said. I think Clyde was going to go ahead and run away with this anyway. APNerdSquad at gmail.com question. If you uh, don't have Twitter, if you don't leave a five-star review, please feel free to. You can still email us. But APNerdSquad at gmail.com. David did that asked uh hey we've heard so much about the hybrid cornerback safety role that kendall fuller played last year was this a role spagnolo had never used before was it just a cornerback playing the third or fourth safety if it was a new of an innovation for spagnolo will it continue who might fit that role uh rashad fenton tedrick thompson uh or brashad brilliant after he re- re- returns from suspension would love to hear what you guys think thanks dave I do think that it was more of a necessity than it was anything. Steve Spagnuolo was not a big three safety user in the past. And after Kendall Fuller went down hurt early, frankly, Tyron Matthew came in and did it light years better than Kendall Fuller had done it. So when Kendall Fuller came back into the fold, it didn't make any sense to try and move Tyron Matthew back because he was being such an impact defender in that role and so Kendall Fuller ended up kind of having to learn a new position. Go back in, you know, going back to be a safety there. And then when Juan Thornhill got hurt, we just kind of got to see Dave Merritt, Sam Madison's work, getting him game ready, you know, after his injury, kind of paid dividends there. And he was able to convert to that safety role in some of these split field reps. And he was amazing in the Super Bowl. He was a key ingredient for them winning that thing. So I don't think that it's a tailor-made role necessarily. Tyron Matthew is going to play in that slot role. And then after that, I think it's up for grabs there for who can be that backup guy, who can be that kind of swing dime guy right now. It might be Fenton, although we think he's better on the outside. It might be a guy like Antonio Hamilton with a little bit of speed, Levert Hill with that intelligence. I just think it is a little bit more wide open on that front. And similar to Rashad Fenton, another guy is Legereus Sneed. He played safety. He played in that slot role his final season in college. That is where he got moved to because that where they felt for their defense was the most important spot. He went and filled it. I think we would all like him to play on outside corner. We thought his film looked a little bit better there. It sounds like Sam Madison mentioned him at corner multiple times kind of post-draft. 
But they always, they never said it would only be cornerback. And then now, when you have Bashad Breland potentially facing a suspension, Juan Thornhill's readiness for the start of the season's up in the air. There might be a little extra holes at safety filling out that other slot spot. So he's just another guy that could fill it. But like Craig said, Steve Spagnuolo hadn't been a major three safety user in the past. I think Dan Sorensen was a necessity as well to cover some very rough coverage linebacker play. Like they needed a bigger safety that could play that somewhat dime linebacker, hybrid safety linebacker role as well. And when you have two safeties that are playing hybrid positions already with Matthew and Dan Sorensen, Kendall Fuller just kind of slotted in naturally. I don't know if you'll see as much of it this year. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Right now, the secondary's got a lot of holes to kind of spot fill to start the season until everyone's healthier back from suspension, though. All right, let's jump ahead to the Twitter questions now, and we have a first-time Twitter question asker. Wesley Vreeland asks, with the current players on our offensive line, who are you looking at to make the biggest leap in play, but also to regress the most? Great question. Hashtag run it back. Hashtag big, big men are people, too. Um, I think, you know, looking to make the biggest leap, I know Martinez Rankin is starting on the pup. I still have hope for him. I'm still going to show some hope and belief that he's going to come out here and make a big step up. There's still time. You know, the way this offseason is set up, just because he's on the pup, pup list now doesn't necessarily mean he won't be ready for week one or even be ne- ready necessarily for, you know, the the, the practice period, frankly. I have hope for Martinez Rankin. I think there's a chance that he's starting week one still. Um, and looking to make a, a, a regression, you know, I, I, it's hard to say Austin Ryder because Austin Ryder is, you know, there's not a high bar to clear with him so far. Let's go with Eric Fisher. You know, let's go with Eric Fisher because the last time we saw Eric Fisher was pretty rough, frankly. So I could see him taking a step back. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa kind of ate his lunch the entire Super Bowl. Um, and this, but this is the good thing for the Chiefs is this is not quite a contract year for him, but it's it kind of is because the Chiefs could move on from him next year if he doesn't come out and perform. I'm going to cheat here and say Kalechi Osamele because he was hurt last year. I expect him to be healthy. I, I, I think he desperately needed the surgery that he got in New York that New York did not want to pay for. And I think that that's going to make him a little bit more motivated. He wants a ring. And what better way to get a ring than just keep Patrick Mahomes upright? Like, it's literally the only thing that you have to do to get a ring right now in this current climate. So doing that, I think we're going to see the best version of him. And then as far as a guy that's regressing, I I said this earlier on in this offseason, and I don't mean it as any disrespect to the player. I think he's going to take a small step back from his crazy elite right tackle play. But Mitchell Schwartz is getting older. He is potentially going to take a small step back still being one of the best right tackles in the league but you know we we knew about a back injury last year obviously didn't bother him at all shortened off season let's see what we get I I don't want it to happen but I think if you have to pick a candidate it might be him I was going to cheat and go with the Simile too, but I'm going to use the same general thought process and go with Eric Fisher because he was injured last year. The games that everyone remembers from Eric Fisher from last year was the Mexico City game versus Ingram and Bosa, and then the Super Bowl versus the other better Bosa. 
And quite simply, Eric Fisher didn't do well in either one of those games. He played pretty poorly, but he also missed a good chunk of the season, was working back from injury. If you go back to the 2018 season, Eric Fisher was playing his best football, and he was very much an above-average starting left tackle. If he can get back to that level consistently, I mean, that's a big step forward from where he was most of last season when he was on the field. So, I mean, I think it's kind of a cheating way to get out of this, but what would be a Maddie answer without that? And then as far as a guy to regress, I think I'm going to just go with Andrew Wiley. And I don't know if he's necessarily going to regress from what his play was last year because I don't think it was very good. But I think that fans still remember that small chunk in 2018 where he was playing on the right guard and he just was looking pretty good at times. I think there were still flaws then, but overall, the, he looked a little bit better than what he did last year. I just think last year might be more of who Andrew Wiley was, and I think the perception of him is going to be he's regressed and not living up to his potential. I just wonder if we've already kind of seen what Andrew Wiley is at the NFL level. Well, and people remember him as the Mac Lee Hill Award winner. You know, people that he was handed out the highest award because he came in along with the 2018 NFL draft class, uh, which contains players that Maddie does not want to talk about right now. So. Um, I mean, that is something to keep into consideration. Um, and I, I think that's a good point, Maddie. We, we really don't know entirely what the NFL version of Andrew Wiley really is. Now, granted, he was hurt a lot last year. I do like that Craig stole a Maddie answer before Maddie could give a Maddie answer. I think that's pretty great. Nate CH32, our guy, asks, you're Brett Beach and Andy Reid. Pat Mahomes says he wants to opt out for the season. Come up with a plan for this season and how you would manage the team for the year. This is fascinating. I'm not sure this. If you opt out for the season, there's zero chance you can come back, right? If COVID starts to go away or anything, you cannot come back no matter what, correct? Correct. All right. I am convincing every single person on my team to opt out. So we forfeit every game. We go 0-16. We draft Pinay Sewell with the first overall pick. <laughs> and we go off to the races in 2021 and win a Super Bowl with the blind side protected by the best offensive tackle prospect in the class. Now, see, that's that's the Maddie answer that I was going to take as well. Tank the season, go for Penisuel. But I do think that Andy Reid feels confident in his ability to get eight or nine wins out of Chad Henney. And I think that, frankly, that might be enough to get him into the playoffs. And if they're in the playoffs, who knows? I do think it would be a more... Oh, we know. They're not winning the Super Bowl. Oh, probably not. But <laughs> you never know. Uh, yeah, you never know. Yeah, get Lamar in the first round and you win a game. Anyway, um, <laughs> it would be a run-heavy script. I Clyde Edwards-Helaire would prove even more important to this team if Chad Henney's under center. I think you'd see a lot of short game. I think you'd see a lot of screen passes. You'd see a lot of kind of gadgety type plays, getting McCall Hardman and Tyree Kill behind the line of scrimmage at some extra motions and things like that. I just think that you'd see a, a shift in the game call or you know the game plan, but I do think that he could get eight or nine wins out of a Chad Henney-led offense. You're not allowed to give real analysis after you just drop that on us like that, Greg. Like I'm that <laughs> I'm was real gonna... analysis. <laughs> Show me the lie. I no, there's no lie. You're right. There's no lie at all. Um, okay. Captain Corbin asks in a 10 uh 10 team PPR league, how early do you draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Draft him in round 1 with confidence. 
complete confidence. Uh, I'm looking to draft him in the first round. There is nothing in the way of him, like like we talked about earlier, being the offensive rookie of the year. He's going to be highly productive. There's so many ways that this guy can beat you. There's so many ways that he's going to be a valuable asset to Patrick Mahomes, specifically in the passing game. I think the running game is going to get better because he's in the, on the field. Don't get me wrong. But as an outlet, as a mismatch, having him on the field running angle routes or just you know catching those easy little pa- passes in the flat and making guys miss after it, there's so much value to this guy's game. Kay Gumminger asks Craig, I'm going to make Craig answer this one. Which EPL team is most like the Chiefs? Consider history, fans, and play style with one of the best players in the world. Oh, this one's tough. Um, I am an Arsenal fan, uh, so it's not them. Uh, (laughs) For the rest of us, can you explain what an EPL team is? uh, The English Premier League. Uh, The the league that, you know, Arsenal, Manchester United – uh manchester city chelsea all these teams play in so football football yes soccer um i think it's liverpool because liverpool had a giant championship drought it was 30 years long not the 50 that the chiefs had but it was 30 years long they've got an excellent one of the top players in the world and mohammed salah that is playing for them right now It, it pains me to say Liverpool, but frankly, I think the similarities, they both wear red. I think the similarities are there. Was he voted the fourth best player in the EPL league? <laughs> he was actually voted fifth best player Close in enough. the world. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe our pal, uh, Tom Child. Oh, he's going nuts had, right now. He, he's going to kill had, me. He has disdain for Liverpool. Yes. we. I have disdain for Liverpool. I, I have disdain for Liverpool as well, but that doesn't mean that the similarities aren't there. We're insufferable now that we have Patrick Levon Mahomes. Like, we are just... The, the, the NFL shouldn't have given us a quarterback because now we're just going to be bragging left and right. Uh, okay, the Clan McLean asks, which week does Clyde Edwards-Alaire start to get the most snaps at running back? It's already happened when camp first started. Like, the moment he stepped into the facility, he got the most reps at running back, and they're just doing walkthroughs, apparently, for media photo shoots right now. So uh, it's already happening, but the real answer is week one. Well, I 100% agree. It's The, the train is starting. It's just just get on, because he's going to be running, running through teams uh, from week one on. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more of your questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, answering your Twitter questions still, our pal uh, Charles Goldman, Gold MCTNFL, asks, I love this one, who wins in a dance-off, me, Craig, or Maddie? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's Kent by a mile here, but Kent is a man of many talents. Oh, no. Some may call him a little bit of a renaissance man, Junior. Oh, he oh, shut up. He <laughs> sings mean karaoke. He can get down, and honestly, when him and Jake get together, the two of them do it really, really well. They're a real gruesome twosome of, oh, of no. guys that get together <laughs> and do this. So I, I just think that you guys don't realize the hidden talents that Kent Swanson has. I mean, listen, the answer's definitely Kent. The only one of us three is a top-flight performer across multiple arts, uh-huh. whether that be hitting the dance floor, bouncing around a ring of some kind. Like, the gruesome twosome of Kent and Jake, like, they put on a performance that will live in infamy among a friend group that may or may not have a video out there on YouTube. So Kent wins. He's got the flow. He's got the hair. And he's got a face for the camera. I don't know what my pro wrestling days have to do with my dance moves, but the answer is actually me. I have I the video. I can cut a little rug, boys. I have the video. I'm, I can <laughs> wobble. I can wobble with the best of them. You put the wobble on, I'll put y'all to shame, and it's not even close. Kent, no one's arguing. I know. I'm just. I got a little swag. Rant Swanson's coming out. Just clapping back at all the haters that don't exist. Could have used that Brent attitude Ford- in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> They're not, no one's going to even recognize me because I'm, like, significantly heavier in, in those videos. Brandon422. Mike Pinnell lines up against Kalichi Osemele on a run play. Who wins? Osemele wins, and it's purely technique. Mike Pinnell is strong as hell. Osemele is strong as hell. So I'm the, the nod goes to the guy that just knows the tricks of the trade a little bit better. We love Mike Pinnell. And Mike Pinnell gets the better of a lot of dudes, but Assimile is, when healthy, a top-notch player at that position, both with instincts, technique, you know, his strength as well. So I think I just give him a little bit of a nod. I think that Assimile, if healthy, just has a little bit more explosive power. So if you're putting these guys head up coming off the line of scrimmage, I think he's just going to meet Pinnell with a little bit more force than Pinnell's going to meet him with. The issue is I just don't think Mike Pinnell's going anywhere. Like, he, you're not, I don't care how big and strong you are. Like, there's only so far that you are going to be able to move Pinnell. And just, I think it would be enough to say that Assembly wins. But, man, I mean, I think actually the answer is fans. Anyone watching wins. <laughs> I I want to take the cop out with, with Maddie, but let's sweep it and call it Kalecio Assembly. The Real K Swag asks a great question. What round should the tre- Chiefs draft a wide receiver next year? The first round? Or the second round. Or the third round. Sometime in the first two days, they should draft a wide receiver in a very good wide receiver draft class. I don't think they're getting Sammy Watkins back. So you do need to look for the eventual re- or his replacement next year. And I think you can find a very good player in the first round that you shouldn't pass on because you really are going to need that X wide receiver to replace him. 
OC Jet Bart asks, just for funsies, can we discuss and compare projections this season and future seasons for McCole Hardman and DK Metcalf? Maddie goes last because he knows because we know he prefers D, uh, DK Metcalf. <laughs> I I do think that next season it's pretty handily DK Metcalf just because I, the opportunity is there. He's not having to try and beat out Sammy Watkins at Tyreek Hill and try and get a target share with Travis Kelsey and Clyde Edwards Elaire. Like DK Metcalf's target share should be better than McCole Hardman. So I'm just giving him a little bit of a nod because they're going to rely on him a little heavier in that offense. Going forward, I think the same will stay true as long as the Chiefs don't view McCole Hardman as a true X receiver because we know that they're going to put Tyreek Hill on the other side. So if McCole Hardman can't line up on the line of scrimmage, beat press coverage, run a full route tree the way that Andy Reid wants him to, I think he's going to be behind Metcalf in that role because he'll play in the slot or he'll play as Tyreek, you know, spelling Tyreek Hill. So from that standpoint, yeah, I do think that you're going to see that maybe the numbers will look similar, but I do think that you're going to see maybe more of an impact on a snap-to-snap basis from DK Metcalf. Yeah, I I tend to agree, frankly. Um, look, DK Metcalf's really, really good. And this isn't even trying to slight McCole Hardman at all. DK Metcalf in his rookie year put up 58 catches for 900 yards, averaged 15 and a half yards per catch. With that kind of volume... That's really, really good, especially for a rookie. This was a rookie year, and he was even better as the season went on. He had a fantastic playoff. DK is a is a very like I think they operate a little bit similarly down the field, but like as far as just their vertical threats, they're not the same player down the field. But they both operate as vertical stretches in a lot of their the strength of their games. McColl is a little bit more niche. I think DK, the way he can go up and get a football, and as physical as he is, I think he demands more force-fed targets. And I think that gives him more opportunities than McColl. Even though McColl, as a vertical stretch guy, is a very good football player. I mean, McColl Hardman averaged like almost, or it was close to, or did average 20 yards per catch last year. Just like, that's ridiculous. It's just the volume is going to be hard to come by. DK Metcalf, I think, is a little bit more complete player, but that's not taking anything away from McColl. I think DK Metcalf has a chance to be one of the best receivers in the league over the next 10 years. I mean, I think you, they kind of summed it up here. They're very similar players in what they do. They're very linear, vertical speed threats. I just think that right now, you have no issue with slapping DK Metcalf anywhere on the field. You can put him in the slot. You can put him in X. You can put him... Uh, as a flanker, you can put him anywhere on the field. But Cole Hardman, you have to keep him off the line of scrimmage. You almost exclusively see him operate out of the slot where he gets even more space. It's like they both are running pretty limited routes right now. I think DK Metcalf's route shoot was even uh, quite a bit more advanced than McColl's. He was just given a lot more to do given a higher percentage of the snaps. But like you're looking at two very similar players in their usage of what they're asked to do. Just one can do it from anywhere on the field. So I think next year you have to put him as the odds on favorite DK Metcalf that is to have better stats. 
And going forward, it's just all about how McCole Hardman can develop. If he can't ever get to the point to winning consistently off the line of scrimmage, there's just no chance you're going to put up better numbers than a guy that can win in the same general way you do, but also do it from different positions on the field. Watch Seattle in the playoffs, too. Like, it's it's tough sledding to try to compare these two right now. And that's not even a slide on McCole. It's just watching DK Metcalf late in the season. Outstanding. It just, it's so good. Mushin 9 asked, odds that Steve Spagnuolo sees the corner depth in camp with a pending Breland suspension and goes after a veteran on the street, and the odds on who that veteran would be? I don't think they're going to go for a veteran free agent. Like If they do feel like they don't like what they see, I think they're just going to deal with it until Breland can come back. I really don't expect another signing, especially when a cornerback to come. If they did go out and try to sign somebody, I would hope, I think Aqib Tlaib's still a free agent. I know he didn't play much last year once he was traded, but I believe he's now on the market. I think he's a guy that would generally fit what they're trying to do. You know, if you go back to the last time he was healthy, his play was still adequate enough. He'd just be a guy that could maybe come in and fill in a little bit of time for you until you needed somebody else. He's a veteran. You would assume he could pick it up relatively quickly. I just don't think that there's anybody any more that they would add. I mean, I mean, I've said it several times this offseason that I don't want these Bill Parcells progress stoppers. I want these young guys to get the roles, to get these, you know, to get the run that they need. But if they had to add somebody, Logan Ryan's still out there. Like, he's not signed. I know that he's asking for a bunch, supposedly. Same with Jadavian Clowney. But I would go after a Logan Ryan type just because uh, he's a smart player. He can play in the slot. Like, there's lots of versatility with him. I think Spagnuolo would get the best out of him. But, frankly, I I don't think that they're going to get the same juice for the squeeze that they would just by giving some of these rookies some run. We've seen what Spagnuolo can do with some of these, you know, average-ish corners. Let the young guys play. Yeah, I, I, I'm lockstep with Craig. I really want to see them throw the young guys into the fire. This is a very exciting time for me as a draft nerd, as a roster construction nerd. I really want to see what the Chiefs have at the cornerback position. You know, if there's any promise, if Charvarius Ward takes a step, if, you know, if Legereus Sneed surprises and is ready quicker than we anticipate, if Rashad Fenton shows some promise on, based on some of the stuff we saw last year, I want to see these guys thrown into the fire early. Um, obviously I hope it doesn't, you know, come at the expense of this football team winning games, but I really want to see these young guys thrown into the fire. Let's find out what we have here in Kansas city at the cornerback position and see what needs to be addressed moving forward. You know, the chiefs are going to have to make decisions on some of these big positions, these big spending positions, you know, they might have to try to, you know, skimp, you know, cost wise in some areas, if they can, find some value out of Snead, if they can find value, find value out of, of Fenton and, and Charvarius Ward, you know, all those guys were undrafted free agents or day three prospects. That being able to, to, to cobble together value at corner with those kind of assets is how you build a roster with so many top heavy contracts. Sports Talk Evan asks, Therese uh, and Charles Robinson spoke on this on the Yahoo Football podcast, but I'd like to hear y'all's answer. If you got to pick who Patrick LeVon Mahomes' nemesis is, kind of like Tom versus Peyton, what quarterback are you going with? I like Deshaun because they were so similar in people's eyes in the 17 draft. It has to be Deshaun for me. Uh, a little, a little, um, you know, full disclosure. When 
you know, Deshaun Watson was showing up and putting up some statistical numbers uh, in his rookie year, and Patrick Mahomes was sitting on the bench, you know, wasting away. I was really nervous, not from a sense that I didn't believe in Patrick Mahomes' numbers or what Patrick Mahomes was going to be able to do. I was just like, okay, Deshaun Watson's showing promise. We still have an unknown quantity here in Kansas City. The pressure's on here a little bit. Oh, no. Is this going to happen? Is the the 34 years, is the curse uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs going to come and Deshaun Watson going to ball out and, you know, all this stuff, all this anxiety? Um, And watching Mahomes just embarrass the rest of of the young quarterbacks with how good he is compared compared to all these guys has been the most delicious the most enjoyable thing that 51 31 comeback blowout that they had in the ASC divisional round just sparked all the joy for me I think Deshaun with the backstory going two picks before him you know getting that little head start on all this conversation Patrick just blowing him out of the water makes him the rival for me and I want him to continue to do that Listening to Charles and friend of the show, Therese, talk about how they want a true heel up against Patrick Mahomes' baby face here. They threw out Baker Mayfield as a guy that is the perfect foil for Patrick Mahomes. So I, I listened to it. I fully agree. When Baker Mayfield gets traded to the Chicago Bears... The team that passed on Patrick Mahomes, now all of a sudden, we got ourselves some heat to this oh. rivalry. That's what I want. That I want Baker Mayfield and that offense under Matt Nagy to click. Like Give him the opportunity to have Baker Mayfield, have it be a good functioning offense, and then have Baker think that he's being slighted by not being mentioned in the same breath as Patrick Mahomes. I want that. Everybody wants that. Everybody who writes about football wants that. That would be incredible. So give me that. The low-hanging fruit is clearly Lamar Jackson, but I'm not going to take that because there's zero chance he's out quarterbacking Patrick Mahomes ever. Next, I actually almost went with Gardner Minshew just because he has the kind of swag that could stand across from Patrick Mahomes and make for some great television. But again, I don't think we're going to get there. The one that I would really like to see, keep it in the division. Get me Drew Locke hitting his absolute ceiling. Here's another guy he does not lack in confidence. He plays a very exciting brand of football. The two would play each other twice a year at minimum every single year. Both offenses are clearly setting out to surround the guys with players. You could have a lot of fun games between the two. I think you have two guys that would not back down from one another. Drew Locke very clearly has charisma from the little bit that you got to see from him on the sideline or Missouri fans know. I think that would be a fun one. Just He has a long way to go to get there compared to some of these other guys like Deshaun Watson or even Baker Mayfield. But if he can get there, that that is a lot of fireworks put up into a divisional matchup that you would get to see over and over multiple times every single year. I think that would be the pinnacle of some kind of rival, quarterback rivalry in the NFL would be being in the same division. If Drew Locke becomes the rival, I am making fun of the backpack celebration any chance I get. Like I'm just like it'll be Kirk Cousins level Rant Swanson going off about the backpack. Uh, but, but let's be honest, pa- Patrick Mahomes is about to be the villain after the second Super Bowl he's going to win. Oh, yeah. Everybody's, everybody already hates us, but they're about yeah. to hate us more. They hate us because they ain't us. 
Uh, Curtis Hines asks, after listening to the post-Super Bowl best of show uh, and Matt saying that Brett Veach is the best Chiefs GM, is Veach's GM tree going to be talked about like Andy Reid's coaching tree, Maddie? Definitely remember saying that in the post-Super Bowl show. And I don't <laughs> Maddie think, was definitely not drunk then. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Never had a drop of alcohol in my life. I do not know if people know about GM's trees. Like, I don't know if a GM tree is a common thing. I don't know if people follow that super closely because what ends up happening is you get a lot of cap guys or a lot of guys that work in the pro personnel development that work their way through and then branch off to somewhere else before they ever get to a position that you hear of them. So I don't think there's ever going to be the recognition from any GM tree that you get from a coaching tree. But specifically here, no. Andy Reid's coaching tree is so good. I don't even know if Brett Veach has enough power yet to really have it be called the Brett Veach GM tree. And Andy Reid's coaching tree has just gone on so long. It's been so good so far. Like I just, I don't see there's any chance for him to catch up. I, I, I think he's got to keep guys like Chris Shea, Borgonzi, Brant Tillis, Ryan Nutt in the building for a long period of time, and then they've got to jump to like a Chris Ballard level of GM and build teams on their own in order to be that kind of guy. Yeah, they're the the GM trees are really harder to come by. You know, you don't hear many. The Wolf Tree uh is one that a lot of people talk about, but you know, how many beyond that? Lay Tony forty four. With Martinez Rankins starting on the pup, who would you say would be the starting offensive line right now? Yeah, taking Rankins out, uh I think it's Fisher uh, assembly, Ryder, Rimmers, and Mitch Schwartz. I think they like Mike Rimmers quite a bit, and I think that that spot is the only one that's really up for grabs here. I think the rest of them are pretty locked down. I know that I said that you know last week before LDT or two weeks ago before LDT was out that the left guard spot was the only one that wasn't locked down. Now it swaps with. LDT opting out here. So I I think that that's the only true variable in all of this. I really don't have a whole lot to add here. These are my exact same offensive line predictions would be Fisher, Osimile, Ryder. I think Rimmers is going to win that right guard job out if Martinez Rankin cannot come back and compete and then Mitchell Schwartz. I'm hoping Andrew Wiley can really push him. I think the athleticism gives you a lot higher upside. I just think the consistency that Rimmer showed two years ago when he was playing right guard for the Vikings and just the veteran experience, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to win that job. I'm holding out hope for Martinez week one. Uh, But yeah, I I tend to agree. I think Rimmer's is probably going to wind up being the guy now. Uh, Just the more I think about it. Rimmer's like, this is such a weird season. You want experience. This is why the Chiefs brought guys like Anthony Sherman back, and that's why John Lovett is not on the roster, which we're going to get to in a second. There's just continuity. Experience is going to be very valued here this season because of how weird it is. Uh, Speaking of John Lovett, L. Ector14 asks, how upset is everyone with the release of John Lovett since Chief and Carolina had him in this first depth chart? Oh, best pot around. Thank you. Appreciate that. I had to do a lot of mental gymnastics to make it make sense for Lovett to make the roster because realistically, as soon as the Chiefs re-signed Anthony Sherman, he wasn't going to make the roster. They are not going to carry two fullbacks into the season. I think you're seeing the fact that they even got rid of their next fullback now. They're not even going to try to mess around too much with having two main ones around in camp. 
Lovett was not going to play tight end. He can't sit on the line of scrimmage and block a defensive end. That's not his game right now. He had no shot of actually making the roster. I just thought maybe they liked him enough that they would make it work for special teams. That said, I'm upset. I don't see the reason to keep a 10% at best offensive weapon in Anthony Sherman on the roster just to play special teams. I feel like you can get almost as good a special teams performance and a guy that could be a bigger weapon in the actual offense. So I didn't like the move, but it is what it is. I think they really love Anthony Sherman in the building. So you bring a glue guy around when you're trying to run it back. Andy Reid hates H-backs. That's all it is. He doesn't. He doesn't want to use an H back. And tell that, that to Orson Charles. Listen, he got a job. I'm just telling you. Well, uh, listen, Dave Tobe definitely had something to do with that. But <laughs> John Lovett, unfortunately, our our dreams are dead of being able to run some more exotic packages with an H back. We'll just have to line up and beat them like we always do. You know what I think about the move? I don't love it. Kenny with the YYK. <laughs> Favorite linebacker in next year's draft, and why is it Jabril Cox and Damone Clark, Maddie? Oh, this is a can of worms. So while I do like Jabril Cox and Damone Clark, I've watched a little bit of, I have not seen enough to say he's my favorite. Clearly, Micah Parsons is the top linebacker in next year's class. Dylan Moses is right there, very close too for me. And if I'm going to look for somebody a little bit farther down, I actually don't mind specifically for the Chiefs, Patty Fisher out of Northwestern for the simple fact that if they are bringing in a linebacker, they're getting a mic. They're trying to get someone that can come in, play the middle, and understands a defense and how to line people up. There's some better athletes in there. There's Chaz Surratt. There's Jabril Cox. These guys are better athletes, but I really need the guy that can come in and dictate the defense. I think that's Micah Parsons, Dylan Moses, and Patty Fisher. Out of the guys I've watched before, I think Craig's watched a few more linebackers than me, so I can let him jump in here next. Oh, I've watched a bunch of linebackers. But, yeah, you covered all the good ones. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, Kenny is an LSU fan. Um, I, too, no. love Jabril Cox. I, I think he's just – his athleticism, especially if they don't play this year, his athleticism is going to send him up pretty high. And since the Chiefs aren't taking a linebacker in round one, yeah, give me Chaz Surratt. I don't love Chaz Surratt yet. I need to watch more of him. He's a former I, quarterback, Kent. How can you not love him? I mm, he played quarterback first and then transferred to linebacker. I understand, and I do think he's a pretty good athlete. Mm-hmm. I I and here's the thing: he hasn't played linebacker for very long. I let's see how his instincts look. I I think there is some there is a general understanding of what he's supposed to be doing on the field. I understand all understand all that. I think his experience as a quarterback, seeing route structure, and all that stuff certainly helps. I just need to see more. I just need to see another year of it. He can cover. Give me a linebacker that can cover. I think you are going to get a linebacker that can bang and read an offense, Craig. And that's why I was sending you to Patty Fisher. That's why I claimed Monty Rice a couple weeks ago. So, yes. Dylan Moses season for me. All right, that's going to do it for this week's mailbag. Thank you guys so much for your questions. We will be back on Wednesday with the midweek show. Be sure to stick around on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. We've got a lot of stuff going as we get you ready for the season because it's coming soon. We'll catch you later.
the gruesome twosome.